Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke uh, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we are talking about intercessory prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open your word, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. We know that you're the teacher. We ask for revelation. Bring us farther than we are right now. Help us to reach higher than we've ever been before. God, I want to learn and I want to grow. And I believe, whether I'm preaching or I'm listening, that we can grow as we open your word. Your word is spirit and life. And you breathe life into us every time we gather together in your presence to study together. And so I pray that you would use it for your glory. Help us to take steps in prayer that either we have taken before and we need to take right now. That as a congregation, Lord, we commit ourselves to the place of intercessory prayer. We will not back down. We will shake hell and we, we will see heaven populated. And so we ask that you would charge us, that you would encourage us, and Lord, that you would convince us that we need to live in a posture of prayer, not just sometimes, but all the time. And so we thank you for everything that you'll do in Jesus' mighty name. And all Northwest Church said, amen. And let me just tell you, I can't wait to hear that hearty amen in the presence of all the people again. I I'm telling you, I'm going to be the first one to say it, but I'm looking forward to it. Now, as we dive into, this is now the third session that we're focusing on prayer. You might remember, just by way of review, we've already talked about um, what prayer actually is. I did, I did a message called Redefining Prayer, Matthew chapter six. We looked at what Jesus said when he talked about what prayer isn't and what prayer actually is. And so that was very important. So we get the definition down. We know what prayer is. We know what we're doing. We know what Jesus taught us. And then I talked about, uh, my message was entitled, Teach Us to Pray. And that we read in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, a disciple came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And we jumped on over to Matthew chapter 6 and finished by studying the Lord's Prayer. And I just sort of broke it down and the six petitions that are there, that three of them are towards God and three of them are, are things that we need God to do in and for us. And as we looked at that, I know that we were encouraged to use the Lord's Prayer as the core competency of our prayer life, that it is such an outline. It's not just liturgical, but it also is categorical in the sense that we can use it to know how to pray and to stand before God on behalf of ourselves primarily, but also for other people because we saw that there, there was a plurality when we pray. We would say, give us today our daily bread, mindful of other people as we pray. And what that does is that sets us up for what I wanna talk about today. I want to talk about intercessory prayer. And this is such an important, um, I would say, movement towards this, the other parts of prayer. We've been talking about what prayer is. We've been talking about how we pray as individuals. But now we're moving towards that issue of how we pray for other people, not just for ourselves. We want to move beyond that conversation and talk about interceding for other people. Now, I want to remind you of my definition of prayer. And I, I said this, prayer is communion with God that leads us to discover what God wants to do and then ask him to do it. Remember, prayer, petition, supplication, we're talking about making a request to God. 
But there's a lot of ingredients that go into that request. Studying the word, meditating on scripture, listening to the Lord, giving thanksgiving, worship. All of these ingredients go into that place where we ask of God. We make a request. And so that's why prayer is communion with God that leads us to discover what God wants to do. And then we ask him to do it. And as we look at intercessory prayer, I just want to define the word intercession or maybe just the word to intercede. What does it mean? The word intercede means to act on behalf of another. When you take the word prayer and you take the word intercede, intercessory prayer, it means to pray on behalf of another. It means to stand in the gap. This is sort of a posture that we have before God. An intercessor is a mediator or an advocate on behalf of another person. It's a powerful word. Therefore, the act of praying to God on behalf of someone else is obviously called intercessory prayer. So that's what we mean when we refer to intercessory prayer, in case you're wondering. There's personal prayer, there's secret place prayer, and in the secret place, we can intercede, but it's not praying for ourselves. It's praying on behalf of another. And the Bible shows us an incredible amount of moments and instances where the people of God prayed for others. We see this in Daniel chapter six, Daniel chapter nine, where he prayed that his people would be freed from captivity, and they certainly were. Jesus in Luke chapter 22, he prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. You might remember that. That's where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And he, was said, he said to him, I pray that your faith does not fail, but when you get restored, you will go and strengthen your brethren. Here's Jesus saying, I interceded for you, Peter. We look at also in John chapter 17, where Jesus prayed for future disciples that they would be one. And we know that the son of God, when he focused on this issue in prayer of unity among his people, we know that he would not have wasted his breath, that unity actually is possible because Jesus Christ prayed for it. It's not only possible, but it's important. It's in his heart. In fact, what I would encourage you to do is look at John chapter 17 and get an insight. You, have a, you get to peer into the window of Jesus's prayer life. And the fact is, is that if we want the ministry of Jesus, we have to have the prayer life of Jesus. And we see, and we get to peer into how Jesus stood before the Father when he interceded. He prayed for unity. He prayed for strength. He prayed for the future disciples. He prayed that they would be one just as he and the Father are one. We also look at the life of Peter in Acts chapter nine. It says where he prayed for a dead woman and she was revived. We see this happen. And again and again, there's intercessory prayer where people stand in the gap for others. And I just wanna say to you that intercessory prayer is not some business transaction. This is not something that we're trying to get something from God and if we just yell loud enough or we just say this or we just do that, we just pull this string or whatever, somehow we're gonna have the right ingredients to get God to change his mind or to do what we want him to do. The reality is, is that prayer is a powerful place as we stand before God. And as we intercede, this is this place that the people of God have taken for thousands of years as they sought God. Now, here's what I wanna say to you is that we gotta be reminded that intercessory prayer sometimes does not look like what we maybe do in our own personal prayer life. 
Intercessory prayer is not just this, it's not this wimpy little thing. It's not just this, this, this small little thing, this meaningless thing, like if God really hears me. No, what we read about in the Bible is we read about men and women who took up the cause of other people. They knew that he was a big God and they prayed big prayers and they saw big answers. And I wanna encourage you and I wanna remind us that when we go through scripture, The people of God knew how much they needed him and they prayed on behalf of others. They cried out to the Lord. And this is so vital for us to understand in our time because as I've told you, we're living in a culture that suggests very often that when Christians pray or when we say like, hey, I'll pray for you, it's almost like, oh yeah, sure, whatever you wanna do. It's like this, almost like a passive thing or or fine, be inactive if you want to. But the reality is, is that there is nothing passive about someone praying to God. God has the solution. God has the answer. God has the supply. And when we go to God sincerely and we pray like it matters because it does, we know that God answers our prayers. Why? Because we see it in scripture. And we want to have that kind of life. And sometimes we, th- we get a little confused. We think that Prayer is always about just being personal or intimate or meditative or contemplative. And I just want to remind you of the people in scripture that there were times and there were seasons and there were circumstances where they found themselves in a place where they cried out to God. The decibel levels maybe were rising a little bit. You understand that maybe it wasn't just like a, a, well, God, you know, whatever you can do. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with personal prayer where it's, where it's quiet and contemplative. But there are times where you go into the war room and you cry out to God and it may not look pretty or sound pretty, but there's just something about laying hold of heaven when you're in the midst of a circumstance or you're even standing in the gap of somebody that's in the midst of a circumstance where you cry out, oh God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way. And what I'm saying is that that's something that God wants to stir in us. We don't have to yell or scream or be like each other or anything like that. But, but I'll tell you, there's something that gets a hold of you when you start posturing yourself in intercession and intercessory prayer. And we wanna be reminded of that. And let's not get confused that all prayer needs to look the same because sometimes when I start to pray on behalf of other people, it doesn't look like what I'm normally doing in my quiet time with God. It's not always quiet time. It's not always loud time, but it's somewhere in between. There's all different kinds of prayer. And that's why I love it when the people of God come together and everybody's praying at the same time. We call that international style. And everybody prays and it's different decibel levels. It's different prayers going on. And it looks like a beautiful mess. And the cool thing is, is that God can interpret every prayer that everyone is praying in that moment at the same time. He is able to do that. He's, he is the only multitasker on the planet that can do those kinds of things. And I'm just grateful that as we stand before the Lord, we understand that there's a place where sometimes we war on behalf of others. And that's what I believe God wants to stir in us as we focus on this. Back in 2001, if you've been around the church since I've been here, I've told you the story about when I was a part of helping plant a church in the city of Kirkland. We planted the church and, and we would do something every Thursday, we would actually walk the city. And it was sort of like a Jericho thing, except not, nothing fell down. We were just praying that strongholds would fall down. We were praying that God would give us revelation and prophetic words and insight, and he would. And so we would pray, you know, intercede for the city, intercede for the businesses, intercede for the the government leaders, the civic leaders, 
and the, and the spiritual leaders of the city as well. And we sought God and we would do that. We also had a morning intercessory prayer group as well. And I remember during that time, you know, we, we were facing a lot of the, the drug sort of addiction from the young people. And in that city, it's, it's a very affluent city. It's a very rich city. So you wouldn't think that maybe the kids would be into the drugs, but they really were. And like we have today, an opiate crisis. There's a lot of young people and even not so young people that have given themselves over to the addiction of opiates. And, and, and so we want to cry out to God for that, to break the addiction and to break the power of the enemy and break the delusion that we need to medicate ourselves with those things when we don't have a condition that requires it. We want to break the power of darkness over our young people, over our city when it comes to drugs. And we were facing that back then. And we didn't really know what to do, but I remember during our prayer time where we were walking around the city, I just, I started to say sort of these crazy outlandish things that I had never said before. I'd never prayed before. I'm, I'm a Christian only a few years at that time, and I didn't know as much about prayer. I knew how, how to pray basically. I knew that we needed to pray. I knew that we needed God to show up. And so we're just walking around the city, and I started praying, praying like the, this crazy stuff, like, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, that you would remove all the drugs in this city. And, and I started to say these auda audacious things like, I just take authority over the movement of drugs in this city and I command it to stop now. And I, <laughs> I don't know if I saw somebody do it on the television or something or, or listen to a tape or CD. I don't remember exactly why I started to pray all that, but I did. I started literally praying crazy prayers. Believe it or not, we had high school and junior high meeting on Monday nights. I don't remember why. I think that was the only time we could get the building. And so we, we would have the people from the, the kids from the, the city, they would come out, the ones that I would hang out with. I'd go out on Friday nights out on the street corner there and, and right by the ball field, all these kids would hang out. And so I would go out there and they wanted to debate me whether or not marijuana was something, you know, that was healthy and neat. they people needed to do today or what? Anyways, it was all kinds of foolishness. We're totally in a different world today, aren't we? We'll just leave it there. But anyways, they used to debate me with all that kind of crazy stuff. And so on Monday nights, after I'm praying all these crazy prayers with our prayer team and people from our church, some of the kids that I would see on Friday nights would come into our youth group on Monday nights. And I remember one Monday night, I'll never forget it. They, these two boys, they were like, uh, I said, hey, how you doing? And, and they said, well, you know, not so good. And I said, what's going on? And I don't know why they said this to me, but they actually said this to me. They said, well, we, we haven't been able to get any drugs and all the drugs have been drying up. And so, you know, it's been kind of discouraging. I don't know why they thought talking to a youth pastor saying that kind of foolishness was okay, but they did. And in my mind, in my heart, something shifted and I realized that the Lord heard the prayers of a 21-year-old who didn't know any better but to pray big prayers, to say audacious, audacious, however you say that, audacious things before God. And as I, as I prayed those prayers and I actually saw God move in a powerful way where we literally dried up the drug market in that city for a period of time, it encouraged my heart. And it caused me to think, man, if God is not only hearing us, but he's answering us in these powerful ways, why are we not praying more? Why are we not seeking him more? Why are we not interceding more? And that really is the question that I want to leave with you tonight. If we know that God hears us, if we know the scripture says that God answers us according to 
his will. If we know that, then what is holding us back from praying the prayers that God has allowed us to pray, that God has given us this privileged place to come before him? That really is the question. I want to leave that out there as we open up the word in Luke chapter 11. And I said verse 5, but I'm actually going to start in verse 1 because we already looked at that. But I want to just read verse 1 and all the way to verse 10. And here's what it says. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we, all, we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, and this is the part we want to focus on. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus now shifts the story. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him just as much as he needs. Verse nine, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And it goes on from there. We look at intercessory prayer using this passage because Jesus illustrates something for us that I think we need to look at and take a second and just say, man, there's some things in this passage that I think will help us to have the right mindset, the right posture as we seek to be an intercessor. And here's the first thing I believe we see from this passage is that intercessory prayer will inconvenience your life. I think that all of the details of the stories that Jesus tells are not always important or part of the principle that he's trying to convey. But some of the details absolutely are because he could have told it differently. And for example, in this passage, Jesus tells a story about a friend that goes to his neighbor at midnight, okay? So it's somebody going to another person's house that they're friends with at midnight. Jesus could have said 6 p.m. Jesus could have said dinner time. Jesus could have said 10 a.m. He could have said any time, but he chooses to use this time frame. A friend goes to his friend at midnight, and he uses this detail to further illustrate sometimes the inconvenience that it is to be a person of prayer, to be an intercessor. Here's what I'm saying. You see the situation where this person goes to their friend and they are asking for loaves of bread because somebody has come on a journey to sit with them and they don't have food. And so they're asking from their friend something for somebody else. That literally is intercession. And that person is willing to do it at midnight, but that's inconveniencing that person to even think about entering that conversation with someone, just to ask them, hey, I know it's midnight, but would you mind giving me some loaves of bread so I have something to set before my, my, these travelers who are with me right here and right now? I can't even imagine doing that myself, knocking on my neighbor's door, knocking on my friend's door. Listen, I don't know that it's something that I would do, but Jesus is teaching us something here that intercessory prayer will inconvenience our lives. 
Look at Jesus as an example for a second. 13 times the gospels mention that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, or more like a hill when you go to Israel, which we are doing, by the way, in 2021, Lord willing. But Jesus goes off by himself to pray. Oftentimes, he would spend a whole night in prayer. This doesn't seem convenient. You look in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus goes just a little bit further than the disciples, and he prays. He prays before the Father. You know, the famous, you know, it's not... Not my will, but your will be done. He comes back and he sees the disciples and the disciples are sleeping. They give in to the flesh when they should be praying. They're sleeping. That's happened to all of us before, I'm sure of it. We've, we've in the, we're in this moment where we need to be contending. We need to be interceding. We need to be watching and praying and we're sleeping. And that's so important for us to realize that as we look in these very specific moments, they're inconvenience, right? Like the disciples fell asleep because they were tired. It must have been that time where you would go to sleep. It wasn't just that they were lazy people. They were following Jesus for three years now, but they needed to sleep. And Jesus was pressing himself toward the father. Jesus was giving himself towards the father and the purpose of the father that he was engaged with. And this is what prayer teaches us is that when we stand before God, it's not always just about sitting in a comfortable chair with a cup of coffee. Now, listen, I love that. I know some of you do that. I do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are times where God wants to send us into war, that we're called to contend on behalf of our city. We're called to contend on behalf of our loved ones. We're called to contend. And that isn't always gonna be convenient. God might wake you up in the morning early. God might ask us to spend an all night all night praying. Can he do that? Here's the question that we have. Can God do that? Does he have access to you? And does he have access to me to be able to inconvenience our typical lives so that we would be intercessors? Because if it's just about convenience, ladies and gentlemen, some things will not happen because we find again and again and again in the gospels and in the scripture where that divine mandate came and to be about the Lord's will would require us to enter into the moments that are thrust upon us and to be people of prayer. Nobody asked for COVID-19. And some people are still saying it's not a big deal. Regardless of what side of that that we're on, we know that people's lives are being lost. We know that people's jobs are being lost. We know that people's businesses, the revenue is being lost. There, there's some difficulties that are happening regardless of who's right or how it's handled. We're in a moment, nobody asked for this, but we're in this and we have a choice that we get to make in the midst of this. Are we gonna engage in intercessory prayer? Are we gonna pray for the provision of our neighbors, our neighborhood, our friends and our family members and our church and the churches in this region? Are we gonna pray for the salvation of souls? Are we just gonna judge those that are not Christian and those that are acting wickedly? Are we crying out? inconveniently as it may be, at times where God is prompting our heart, where God is asking us, God is inviting us in the early hours of the morning to get up and to seek his face on behalf of other people. Prayer will inconvenience us. Number two, we see from this intercessory prayer is motivated by love. And Jesus points out that, if, that, that this person goes to a friend on behalf of another, right? And so there's somebody that's before them and they care about them. They want them to eat. They want to care for them. And so they're willing to inconvenience themselves. This is what love looks like. Love looks like caring for the other. And here's what we know. 
We will pray for the people that we love. And this is a principle that we need to be reminded of. We will always pray for the people that we love, but it's hard and we need to learn to pray for the people that we, haven't, that we don't have that love attached to. And here's, my, here's how I would illustrate that. If a loved one or a very close friend or a family member all of a sudden contracted cancer or some dehabilitating disease, I'll tell you what would happen to a Christian. It would send us into a place of helplessness where we would know we have to pray and we would ask other people to pray and we would get on a prayer chain and we would engage God in prayer. Why? Because we feel helpless. Maybe there's not much that we can do about it and so right away we're praying. Our love compels us to a place of prayer. But when we read scripture, scripture calls us to love our enemies, to pray for those that spitefully use us. Here's what I know. The only way that we can love our enemies is when we start praying for them. We automatically pray for those that we love. But here's the secret, is that if we want to learn how to love people that we don't yet love, we start praying for them. And it works in the opposite direction. When we start to pray, you say, Father, I thank you for this person. I pray that you would bless them just like you blessed me, that you chased me down, you pursued me, you didn't take no for an answer. Lord, you filled me with your Holy Spirit. You showed me who you were. I pray that you would move in their life like that. Father, I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you died for them. I thank you that you rose again. I thank you, Lord, that you are not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentancy. When you start praying like that, something happens in your heart and you start to rise up as a man or a woman of God and now you just aren't taking no for an answer. So you start storming the gates because you know that God is a loving father. You know that he's a rescuer. You know that he is our supply. You know that he is our source. And we are reminded of that when we stand in intercessory prayer and we set our targets on a specific person or situation and love starts to fill our heart. We start to love that and those for which we pray, even if we didn't have it in advance. We automatically pray for those that we love. We automatically pray for that situation that we have love attached to, but we cultivate love as we begin to pray in those same places where we may not have it in advance. And I think this is such an important principle. We see this from scripture quite a bit, actually. When you love someone or something, you intercede for them quickly and consistently or constantly. But if we want to grow in love, we've got to start praying. That's why Jesus said, pray for your enemies. You know, something happens is that those people that once were your enemies, all of a sudden aren't necessarily your enemies. I remember our family, or at least I came home at the tail end of a movie that my family was watching. I walked in at this part where Corey Ten Boom was talking about her experience where many of her family members, her close family members were killed as she went through the war. And she was, you know, now she's way down the road and she's traveling at churches and she's telling about the story of all that she has been through as a survivor. And I remember she talked about being at this one church and there was a person that, that came in and listened to her and at the end waited in line to come up and talk to her. And this man walked up to her and he was one of the guards. In fact, he was one of the guards that was responsible. I believe it was for the death of her sister. And he walked up to her and he said, I don't know if you remember me, but I wanted to come to you and I wanted to ask for your forgiveness for my part and what I did against you and against your family. And Corey Tenboom, she explained 
what flooded into her hearts. Everything in her, just all of a sudden, this flood of emotion. She wanted to say no. She wanted to, she just wanted to freak out. And then she realized that God had done something awesome in her heart. And she talked about how she had been praying for even those that had persecuted her and her family, even to the highest level. And she realized that God had made her enemies no longer her enemies. And this man gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a powerful testimony of what can happen even with your enemies when you start to pray for them. All of a sudden you gain a love for them that you could never have. Why? Because it's a divine exchange. When you stand, into, when you stand in the gap on behalf of others, God starts to fill our lives with what we don't currently have. And what that is? is that his nature, his nature is to love those that can't love in return. His nature is to what he did. While we were yet sinners, he died. He didn't give his life for us in response to anything good that we did. He gave it before we did anything for him or we even looked in his direction. And this is what he teaches us. When we are people of prayer, we find that we start to cultivate the same heart as the one that we are following. Number three from this passage, we see that intercessory prayer acknowledges that we have nothing. The story is that we go to our friend on behalf of another because I have nothing to set before them. That's what he says. I have nothing to set before them. When we have nothing, we go to the one that has something. And this is God. And this is what the posture of prayer is all about. We can't just shrink back and say, well, I don't, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I, I, just, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. We may not have the answer for, for others all the time, but we know who has the answer. And this is what we need to realize is that it acknowledges. When we pray, it acknowledges that we don't have enough to set before other people. I'm not suggesting that we're inactive in the things that we know we need to obey, in the, the, in the generosity that we need to give, in the kindness that we need to offer, in the serving that we need to also put forth. I'm saying we need to do all that, but prayer is such a powerful place, acknowledging that God is the one that supplies our need, especially as we are praying on behalf of others. And number four from this passage, here's what we see. Intercessory prayer requires persistence for, real, for the reality of things to change. And here's, what we, here's what, where we read that in this passage. Verse seven, he says, and from inside he answers and says, do not bother me, the door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Listen to this verse, verse eight. I just think this is so provocative what Jesus is trying to say. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Did you hear that? Because he is his friend, that's not enough. Friendship is not enough just by being a friend to get what you're asking for. There's another element that Jesus was introducing in this conversation. He does the same thing in Luke chapter 18. I've actually preached about this before. Persistence in prayer. This principle about being persistent where, we're persistent where we're shameless in our asking. I don't know if you have children, but if you do, you know that your kids, they're just, they're shameless in their asking and they're persistent in their asking. They just have no problem asking for things and asking for them again and again and again. And sometimes if parents are honest, now I know my kids are watching me right now, most likely, and they might not be paying attention until I start talking like this. 
And I'm not judging them, but I am nudging them. And here's what I would like to say to all of the children and all of the parents in the world that I'm trying to validate right here in this very moment. Maybe you've already raised your kids, but here's a point of validation for you, my friend. And that's this. Our kids will sometimes ask, kids, close your ears. They'll ask to the point where us parents will give in to those kids because they were persistent. Now, you don't want to, you, you, I know some of you strong-willed people, you don't want to acknowledge that you've ever done it, but I'm just going to flat out say it. Sometimes my kids don't have to persist very long before good old dad gets them what they've been asking for. Now, it's all reasonable, okay? It's all reasonable stuff, but the fact is, is we give in, and there's just something about persistence, I mean, you almost, it feels like a synonym would be annoyance. I'm not really sure. That's not necessarily what Jesus is trying to say here. But my point is, there is a power to persistence. There's something about it that Jesus is trying to help us to understand. There's a passage in Genesis chapter 18 where Abraham encounters the Lord and the Lord is with two angels. And this is what we might call a Christophany or a theophany where the Lord is revealed and as an angel or even as a man and they're traveling through and they're going to Sodom and Gomorrah and they're gonna lay it to waste. There's gonna, a judgment is gonna come on Sodom and Gomorrah because the wickedness of those cities have, has come up before God. And so Sodom is going to receive judgment at this time. And God speaks in front of Abraham and he says to the angels, shall we not tell Abraham what, are we, what we are about to do? Now, the thing is, he said it out loud because obviously he was gonna tell Abraham what he was about to do. He invites Abraham into this dialogue and they share with him, he shares with them that he's about to go bring judgment to the city. Now that's the city that his, that his nephew Lot lives in. Lot lives there and Abraham loves Lot. He does not love Sodom, but he does love Lot. So Abraham starts to negotiate with God and he says, will you spare the city for 50? And God says, for 50, I will spare it. But then he's like, in his mind, I don't know if there's 50 righteous. So he says, will you spare it for 40 righteous? And God says, for 40 righteous, I will spare it. For 30, for 20, for 10. And I think they got on down to Lot. Will you spare it for just Lot? And God really couldn't spare the city at all. He had to pull Lot out and his family out of the city. And that was an interesting story. But here you have this negotiation, this intercession, where Abraham is interceding before God on behalf of Lot. And what we learn from that is there's this persistence. Lord, will you spare the city for 50, will you spare the city for 40? And there's this back and forth and he's pressing into the Lord more and more and more. And that also shows us this principle of persistence. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I don't know if you write things down and you pray over the same thing every day or if you have a routine. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I've prayed with a lot of people over the years. I've seen it a lot of different ways, but I can tell you this. Persistence is not just about coming before God and saying the same thing. Persistence is about the conviction that we have in our hearts, that we know wrong things need to be made right, and that God is righteous, and he wants to address those things. And so we come to God, the righteous judge, we come to God, the righteous king, and we ask God to make wrong things right. And we continue to ask, and we continue to ask, not just out of routine, not just out of religious principle, but out of conviction, because there's a fire in our hearts to see something made right. And when we come to God like that, I'm telling you, we, we tend to stir up that flame inside of us and we expect God to do it. We really do. When I read the Bible 
and I see these type of stories and I start to pray, what it does for me is it causes me to expect God to do it. Why? Because it's what I'm reading. These are God's people. This, this is God's dealings with his people. This is what God has done. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And I know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And persistence has got to be a part of my prayer life. The fact is that if we give up, we, give, we cannot give up and we cannot give in. Persistence is the call of prayer and particularly intercessory prayer. And I'm calling us to that. Now, I wanna also just share with you a few things when it comes to intercession, that this would be basic equipping, all right? And I wrote out a list of who do we intercede for and what, are we, what do we intercede about? And I have seven who do we intercede for. And the first one is everyone. We see this in 1 Timothy 2.1. The apostle Paul says, first of all, I urge you, that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made for all men. And so we wanna pray for everyone. There's nothing wrong with general intercession. And that means we can just pray for the city. We can pray for the people of our neighborhood. We just pray for everyone. So everyone that's in our sphere, that's what the scriptures direct us to pray, who, who the scriptures direct us to pray for. Number two, spouse and family of Genesis 25, 21. We wanna pray consistently, persistently, and intercede on behalf of our spouse if we have one, or our family, whoever our family members are, that they would walk in the ways of the Lord, they would walk in righteousness, they would walk upright in integrity, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and so on. I'll get to what we pray for. Number three, our friends, Luke twenty-two thirty-two, and this is where Jesus prays for Peter. They were friends, obviously. Jesus was more than a friend to Peter, but I, they walk together, and I, I think this is a principle that we can glean from. We also pray for the church, 1 Thessalonians 1-2, where the Apostle Paul says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. He's talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he's praying for the church at Thessalonica. I pray daily for Northwest Church. I'm inviting you to do the same. If you already are, keep praying persistently, consistently for our church, and then we'll spread it out to the churches in our region and beyond. But we wanna pray for the church that God would strengthen us, that God would encourage us, that God would build us up, that God would send us out, that God would give us divine health. That's something I've been praying for. There's healing where God makes something wrong or something that's wrong, he makes it right. But then there's health where he keeps us in healing. He keeps us in health. Nothing needs to be healed that's already in health. And I pray that divine canopy covering of health over our church, I pray that every day, God, keep us in your divine health. Men, women, and children, all of us as your people. Number five is all people in authority. First Timothy 2, 1 uh, says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, I've, just, I've come across everybody in the world who thinks differently about our president. And here's the thing. Whether you think he's a great man or God's man, or you think that he's not a great man, I, I don't know. People are all over the place on this one. But here's what I would say. The scriptures call us to pray for our president. 
They call us to pray for our civic leaders, our government leaders, and that is what we need to do. Biblical Christians practice the Bible. Regardless of what we think about how some people talk and all that they do, what we have to do is contend for righteousness in our land. And so we pray for those in authority. We pray for those that carry the authority to make decisions. We ask God for wisdom, that it would be godly wisdom, biblical wisdom. We pray that the Lord would surround them with Christian witnesses. And listen, we've got to contend. We don't just sit back whether you're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or somewhere in between or anarchist or whatever, I don't know. Northwest Church is definitely not most of those. My, my point is just to say that regardless, that we've got to go by what the scriptures teach. And so whenever I hear somebody talk about our government leaders in a, in a, instead of praying for them, that's just not healthy. It's just not healthy no matter what. It doesn't mean that we can't have opinions or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we've gotta be people of prayer and we've gotta feel conviction if we're not. You know, I, pr- I prayed for President Obama the same way I pray for President Trump. I pray the same types of prayers. I pray the same things because I believe that God wants to do the same thing in this generation that he, that he wanted to do then and I believe we get to be a part of it in prayer. Number six, we pray for the nations, Mark eleven seventeen, And also number seven, we pray for our enemies, right? And so we wanna pray that God would save them, that God would set them apart for his glorious purposes. We wanna pray that God would stop evil, that God would stop wickedness. I'm getting ahead of myself. What do we pray about? That's who we pray for. Number one, salvation. We wanna pray for salvation. The Lord is slow about it, is not slow about his promise, this is 2 Peter 3, 9, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Well, this has to be a marker for our prayer life. We pray for healing. I'm just gonna hit these real quick. We pray for outpouring of the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit. We pray for unity in the body of Christ. We pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Colossians 1, 9. We pray for deliverance and protection from all evil. We talked about that, Matthew 6, 13. We pray for protection from evil and harm. This is Psalm 12, 7. Oh Lord, keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. That's evil. Those that have evil intentions, we pray for God's protection. Pray that over your home. Pray that over your friends, your family, your neighborhood, your church. Pray that over everyone in your, your world. And number eight, we pray for the advancement of the gospel because ultimately that is the only way that truly sin will be eradicated from the human heart is if a person yields their life to Jesus Christ as Lord. That is the only way that a person is going to change. They have to receive the miracle of the transformed heart. A person has to have a transformed life or they will not live differently. We believe that, so we've got to contend for the advancement of the gospel. The church cannot lose its mission, which is to send the gospel to every neighborhood and nation around the world. We might be a little stifled in this season, but we are laser focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ going out. And we just want to celebrate. There were There were a handful of people that gave their lives to Jesus online this last Easter service. That's amazing. We had several dozen people pray the prayer of surrender. Praise the Lord. This is what sets us up so that we can move forward and under his lordship to to accomplish his will, to do his bidding in the world, which includes the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I simply just want to encourage us to be people that intercede, that we don't stop interceding, that we don't, when it, times get tough, that's when we press in all the more. Jesus teaches us 
to be people that intercede on behalf of others. And these are the things that we intercede for. And I think that at number eight, I need to stop. And here's what I wanna do, give you some practical tips, okay? They say, well, Ben, that's really great. You've, you've told me that intercession is important. You told me that it was powerful. You told me who to pray for. You told me what to pray for. You're right, I did do all that. That is exactly what I did. But now what do I do? How do I take a next practical step? Well, friend, I'm glad you're asking that question. <laughs> I have to have fun. There's two things I wanna encourage you to do. Number one, I wanna encourage you to schedule a daily time of prayer. Now, some of you already do this. Keep doing what you're doing. But for those of us that have not yielded our lives to prayer, it's got to be our, the most important appointment of our day. It has to become essential in our life. We've got more time maybe now than we did before. And so we wanna develop a habit and a routine. This is, he is the most important appointment that we have. We make appointments for everything else. We might wanna pull out our iPhone and we wanna schedule it in our iPhone. If that's the kind of life that we live, that's fine, but make sure that that appointment gets on our calendar every day. And we wanna show up for that appointment. So make a schedule and make sure that we stick to it. Most people desire to pray, but very few people plan to pray. Oh, come on, that was good. And if you don't plan to pray, you probably won't pray. And that didn't rhyme. I think it did rhyme. I don't know. But most people desire to pray, but few people plan to pray. And if you don't plan to pray, you probably won't pray unless it becomes a normal routine. And at some point in our life, we had to sit down and decide that we were gonna do this at a certain time. That's certainly what I've done, and I'm encouraging you to, to do the same. Number two, just practically speaking, we wanna make a prayer list. We often refer to something as a prayer list. I'll add you to my prayer list. I don't, I don't know if you have that type of language in your life, but this is where I write out names. You know, I have a lot of journals, and I write out names. I write out situations. I just have to write things down, and as I pray over them, I jot down any notes as I listen to the Lord during that time with them. And anything that he puts on my heart, any scriptures that he puts on my heart, I write those down and then I pray those out. God gives us revelation and insight. And when he does, we can intercede in God's, within what he, we're hearing him say. And this is so important. Write out ongoing prayer requests, situational. We make a prayer uh, list. And this is what I would say in terms of intercession and also persistence. This is what I do, Okay. I get, I don't know, if I said 20 to 30 prayer requests a day, that's probably accurate. Maybe someday it's a little more, some days it's a little less, but I get a lot of prayer requests and here's what I do. Literally, this is how I have to live my life. When somebody asks me to pray, I stop and I pray right then. That's what I do. I've made a commitment that I'm not just gonna say I'll pray, I actually pray. And when you wanna live that kind of life, you have to stop what you're doing and you have to pray. Now, have I been perfect at it? I haven't been perfect at it but it is a routine in my life to stop and to pray. When you email me and you ask me to pray, that is literally what I do. When you text me and I gave you my cell phone number, even if you don't put your name on there and I'm not sure who you are, <laughs> I'm telling you, I pray. You don't text me or email me and expect me just to give you a nice comforting word. I'm praying. So you do that, you send something to me and I'm, I'm that brother born for the battle. I'm going to Jesus with that prayer request, because I believe that we serve a big God who can change our realities and shift a circumstance. And so that's what I've had to discipline myself to do. And I encourage you to do that. Become a person that has made a decision in advance 
that when you're asked to pray, you're gonna stop and you're gonna pray. That's a person of intercession. Where 1 Thessalonians chapter five says that we constantly pray, that we pray without ceasing. That's where we're living in this place of not do we pray 24-7, but that we are willing to pray and we are open and available for prayer 24-7. It's not just that we pray every minute of the day. It's that every minute of the day we are available for prayer and we live in this constant place of offering up prayer before God. We walk into a meeting. Father, I thank you right now for wisdom that I need. Somebody asks us to pray for them. Father, I thank you for that person. You automatically go to prayer. We, we pray without ceasing. It's not just a stop and then I'll see you tomorrow, God. It's a life that is absolutely filled and saturated with requesting before God because we're living in a state of need. We're living in an awareness of what God does and what God will do. And we're also living in the awareness of the needs around us and we're just simply connecting the two. That's what we're doing in prayer. We're connecting the two. We got our hand Um, in the hand of another, and we got our hands stretched out to God. We're reaching up, and we're reaching out in prayer. You see how I did that? I tied what is our COVID-19 mission statement into my sermon. And so this is what I encourage you to do, right? Schedule a daily time of prayer, make a prayer list, and then also learn how to pray without ceasing, which means that you're constantly available for prayer. Whenever something comes up, you pray right then as often as you can. Now, what do you need to do? What's your next step? What's the thing that God is prodding you to do right now, convicting you to do right now? I wanna share with you something that was on my heart, just some uh, prophetic stuff. First is that I wanna pray, um, I wanna pray for healing. And uh, here's, here's what I saw. I don't even know what this means, but I just saw a picture of somebody's knees. And uh, there was just some uh, extra pain. I didn't see that it was like an accident or, or whatever, I don't know what's wrong exactly, but literally as I was praying, I just saw a picture of somebody's knees. And so I just believe what God reveals, he heals. And so we wanna pray right now. Father, we thank you for your healing power. And uh, we just pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would heal someone's knees and anything that's happened as a result of, uh, of, of maybe, maybe it was an accident or something. It may, might've been an athletic injury and it's continued to ache and the pains of stayed there for years and it's just getting worse and we just pray for your healing power right now and I also I mean this is just spontaneous but I have a picture right now of somebody that's working like outside a house and you're working on a job whatever you do for a living I can't quite tell maybe it's contractor work or some kind of construction contractor uh, something like that and I see you just you you bent over and you were fixing something or whatever and you hurt you hurt uh, part maybe it's your hip or your leg also as well you hurt part of your body. I'm just having a vision right now and I'm seeing um, it's a man and you just, you hurt yourself and it's, it's kind of put you out a little bit and it's caused great pain. And uh, I even see you trying to sleep and it's, it's caused pain even in sleeping and uh, tossing and turning. And so right now we just pray in Jesus' name for your healing power to come over this man, uh, whoever it might be from our church. We thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. We pray for wholeness and health in the name of Jesus, thank you. If that's you, just receive that from the Lord, not from me. The word is from me, but the healing comes from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And the word actually comes from him. We believe that too, but I get to share it with you. I had a vision of a person, and this is just kind of a little bit more metaphorical, as it were. I saw a person with a, 
a full suit of armor on. And it was obviously a heavy uh, protect, protection over you. But you, weren't, you, you did not have any weapons uh, and you weren't advancing. And if you can imagine, just picture with me for a moment a person that's wearing a full suit of armor just in full battle array with no weapon and not moving forward, just standing there waiting. And, and, the, and the deal is it's, it's kind of odd, you know, just to stand there with protection because ultimately we're heading into battle. We need the protection because of the advancement. And here's what I felt like the Lord put in my heart as I meditated on that word. The Lord is calling you to move forward and face the battle and not wait protectively but move forward proactively. Here's what I would say to you, that you've spent a lot of time in self-preservation, not facing the things that you need to confront, the fears or even the scenario or the situation. In fact, I think for one person right now, there's a particular conflict in a relationship that you have and you haven't faced it, you do not know how it's gonna pan out or how it's gonna work out, and so you haven't done that. Now, if you have already tried that, I'm not talking to you, but somebody, there's a relationship, you've had to protect yourself in advance by not even going to that person, not talking to that person, and instead of moving forward and seeking some kind of closure or reconciliation with that family member or friend, it's caused you just to kind of stay stuck in that one area. Now you've moved on with your life. Um, it doesn't mean that you haven't advanced in other things, but there's just something kind of stuck to this particular relationship. And I just hear the Lord saying, move forward proactively, that he's the one that will be your shield. He will protect you. That things may not pan out the way that you would like them to, but the fact is, is that we need to have soft hearts and not try to just protect ourselves by keeping a certain environment around us like a cushion that that just isn't what God has for us he wants us to rise up he wants us to move forward he wants us to make progress now he'll lead us in what that looks like I'm not pushing you but I'm saying that the Lord will lead us to take steps and now is your time to take that steps and here here's a harder word okay this is my last word that I want to share with you and I don't share this um easily but I do believe that this was put into my heart and I wanna share it with you the best way that I can explain it. But I believe I'm to lead a handful of us into repentance for misstewarding our finances. And I know, I know what that sounds like, but here's the thing. Um, some of us maybe have lost income or we're facing that or maybe we're in fear of that. But this brings up an interesting um, heart issue is that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a, a season like this will bring up money in a very unique way. And it will cause us to, or it'll show us how we've seen money. And here's what I believe I'm to do. I'm to lead a few of us in repentance for misstewarding money. I'm not here to try to get you to tithe right now. I believe in tithing with all my heart, but this isn't a plea for that. I believe in giving generously to other people and that everything is God's, that we're owners of nothing and stewards of everything. I'm not trying to preach that to you right now. I'm just saying that where we are trying to move forward and there's fear attached to our financial status, maybe in the last season we lived in abundance and now we need to learn how to live in a content manner. 
And then we need not fear. We know that God will provide for us, but I just feel like there's some repentance that needs to happen. So I wanna lead you, if that's you, into a place of repentance where maybe you've mishandled the money that you know is ultimately God's to which you are a steward and you haven't lived like it and you know it. And it's time to turn around in that area of your life. I don't know the steps that you need to make, but I know the first step that we need to make is repentance. And so just in your heart and with your hands or however it is, follow with me as I lead you in this. Father, we thank you tonight and we confess that you're the owner of everything and we're the stewards. And God, we just repent as a church or any of us as individuals. If there has been any mishandling of money in any way in our life, whether that's in business, whether that's in our practice, whether that's through our home or whatever it might be, I pray right now, we, we come to you in repentance. Your, our life is in your hands and we ask, Lord, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness right here and right now. I pray over Northwest Church, I thank you that we have such integrity for the finances in this house, that it has been that way for many years and it will always be that way because you're the pastor of this church and we hold ourselves accountable to the mandate and to the mission that you've placed upon our lives. But Lord, as individuals, we are responsible as well that what we do with the finances that, we're, that are entrusted into our care, it shows where our heart is. And so we just pray in this season that we would not be fearful or worrisome or burdened overly, but we would simply put all things into your hands. So we repent, God, where we have mishandled anything and we place it all back into your hands right here and right now. And we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for your cleansing and for your fresh vision to move forward as wise stewards. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. I know that's a little bit of a sensitive one. And I wanna go to, uh, I wanna go to the questions, Q&A. My number is 425-239-6528. If you have a question about prayer or intercession or even just those prophetic words, here's what I wanna share with you right now. I just got a text. Someone's hip bone is healed right now. That's a text message I just got. So we just wanna praise God for that. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. If you're not smiling, go ahead and look at your spouse, look at one of your children, and just go ahead and smile. I'm going to go ahead and smile at Jonathan right now because we're together. We're, we're in this. All right, so somebody just said, my husband has had knee injury and has been having a lot of pain. We receive healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I get many um, healing testimonies. I just want you to know as a church that even during this time as we share prophetic words, it's amazing. Every word that gets shared, I get a testimony, at least one, to confirm that what we are doing together as a community, even words that come from some of you that I've shared have also been confirmed. As a prophetic community, God is not only speaking to us, but confirming his word with signs, wonders, and miracles. And this is just the beginning. We believe that we're gonna see great and mighty things. When we pray for an outpouring of miracles, signs, wonders, that glorify and honor the Lord Jesus, just like we read about in the Bible, believe me, God is going to move in a mighty way. I have a question here. 
Do you think praying with thanksgiving is an effectual way for long-time intercessory prayer for specific situations, meaning thanking God versus always repeating your petition? Absolutely, I, I do a lot of what you're saying. In other words, we just, Father, I thank you that you are moving in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord, that it is your will to bring about righteousness in this situation. And now I pray, God, that you would, that you would raise up a righteous standard or whatever you might be praying with. I think thanksgiving, it sort of helps us to dial in to the fact that God does respond. And sometimes we actually miss the response that comes. I've actually had that happen many times. And so I do agree. And I think what you're saying is right, that adding thanksgiving to our persistent prayer is an effectual way of having long-term intercessory prayers for situations that are unchanging. I think that's a great um, add-on. Thank you, Lord. How do you pray when you see signs of the times and we know certain things are to happen? How do we pray to prolong the season or let prophecy take place for the end to come into fulfillment? I appreciate that question. I think part of it's... uh, built upon what our belief is for the end times. And I think that's actually part of this question. Sometimes I think that we allow prophecy to be spoken or to become a part of our life um, or even our perspective because we have a certain theology or eschatology about the end. Every now and again, the reason I don't embrace some prophecies is because I don't have the same eschatology. I don't think that's the way that it's going to go down. And so certain prophecies feed into theology and I think they're actually a prophetic word of a theology. So what, here's what I know. I would say that what we are called to pray, whether it's the rapture or otherwise, whatever, however it pans out in the end, what we know, just like Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples in Acts chapter one, before he ascended with the father and they wanted to know what, is it at this time that you're gonna come into your kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the day or the hour that which the father is fixed by his own authority. No one even knows. It's not for you to know, but you, when you you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Endued with power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. So what we know is Jesus even told his direct disciples, his apostles, that they couldn't know the day or the hour. And a lot of times we get fixed on the, the why situations is happening or, or the hour in which we're living. What we do know is that we're living in difficult times. And I would just say that we need to, in those times, hold on and continue to pray that souls are saved, that people are healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. I just have this picture in my heart. If, if, the, if the traditional way of, of rapture in in an eschatological mindset or or theology is the way that it happens. I just have this picture of me just crying out for the earth as I'm going up, you know? I mean, I just, that's what I believe. I just believe we are called to contend to the end. And so that's my personal view. And I would just encourage um, anyone asking this question um, to, to just really contend, you know, to contend. Even when it's hard, even when you feel encouraged when you feel discouraged we continue to contend thank you lord here's what i want to do i just want to pray for some things real quickly as we close i'm getting different questions and i think i just need to address some of those in the teachings that are coming uh, in the next weeks 
But let's pray first. I want to pray over. Um, I want to pray over income, businesses, and provision. I got several requests this week for that. So let's just pray over that. If you if you need God to provide for you, maybe you just uh, in in my in my heart right now, I have a sense that some of us this week need to enter into unemployment, or we're facing that, and that's going to happen. And here's here's what I feel like we need to do in my in my heart. We need to do this is just pray that God would help us to position ourselves knowing that he's the provider and having our eyes open to his provision. I just have a sense that some of us are gonna need to shift for seasons in order to receive the provision of the Lord. And we ask for provision and that may come in different ways. I feel like we need to pray over that. So Father, I thank you right now for your provision in our life, that Lord, even in seasons where it comes from different places, we ultimately know that you're the provider. So we ask right now that we could receive all that we need from your hand. Help us to appropriate it. Help us to walk in stewardship. Help us to walk in integrity. Help us to have eyes that are open to your provision and and the means by which you'll provide. For some of us, maybe we're in the middle of needing to shift careers. And I just pray over them right now that, Lord, you would give them open doors in Jesus' name, open doors in front of us that we could walk through that would be the job that we need to be in, the place that we need to be. I pray that, that you would turn this situation around and cause us to be able to connect to the thing that we're supposed to be a part of. I pray for those that are filling out the unemployment applications. I pray for not only provision over them, but I pray that you would break the power of discouragement. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we break shame and discouragement. There is no shame over us right now. And we walk humbly before you. And I ask, Lord, for our church that whoever is going through that, that, Lord, you would just give them joy. You would give them peace. Even though the situation isn't fun, you would give them peace right now in their heart. I thank you for that. We also, Lord, we pray for healing right now. If you need healing in your body or you even need healing in your soul, let's just contend for a moment over that right now. We pray in Jesus' name for healing. Father, I thank you right now for, uh, for those knees that we prayed over, for that hip also I talked about, we identified, we pray in Jesus' name for healing, continued full healing over both of those individuals. But we also pray over every, every part of our body where we're experiencing sickness or illness. Anybody in our church that has COVID-19 or is connected to somebody, we just pray right now, Lord, that the COVID-19 would cease in their body in Jesus' name. We pray over our hospitals right now. Every hospital in this region that has any patients with COVID-19, we pray that it would cease in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these audacious prayers. Lord, we pray we take authority over COVID-19, and we ask, Lord, that it would come to nothing. And King County, Lord, we just start there. We pray that, Lord, King County would have no COVID-19. The cases would go away and we would see this thing cease in our region. That people could go back to work, that we could go back to ministering to one another, that the fear would leave us. We thank you for that. And I pray over us as a church, somebody has a child, some kind of sickness or illness. I don't know if it's a digestive system thing something like that that's causing them their stomach to have some pain or they're not functioning properly. 
the way that they need to. We just pray over that right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for our children. Lay your hands on our kids. Thank you, Lord. Touch our children right now. Let them be free of disease. Let them be free of ailments. Let them be free of sickness. We thank you, Lord. We, we ask you to lay your hands on our children tonight. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would stir a fire in us to see the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives more and more and more. We need you, God. Come and heal our bodies. And where we're vexed in our soul, I just pray, God, that you would be the lifter of our heads. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Would you encourage us right now? Break the power of disappointment. In fact, I'm going to close with this. If you're struggling with disappointment, it may not have anything to do with COVID-19. I don't, I don't just want to keep it up, focus on that. But there's somebody, you're just, I just feel it in my heart. Like you're struggling with the power of disappointment. It's just, it's just deflated you. And you feel almost like physically lethargic. You feel physically apathetic. It's not, it's not the state of your mind, but it's sort of the state of your soul. And physically you feel it because it's just deflated you. Some disappointment. Father, I thank you right now that you would bring fresh courage and your own just divine energy that we would have from the Holy Spirit to be able to rise up again in the face of a disappointment and the power of that would be broken. That may remain, the situation may be there, but we can rise up in the midst of it. And I pray over my family. I pray over my friends. I pray over our church. I ask, Lord, that disappointment would not have a stronghold over us, that it would come down in Jesus' name, and we would rise up. So I thank you for your blessing and that you're at work and you are moving in and through us. Now use us as your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece in the world that we live in to be concerned about our neighbors, our coworkers, and our family members and the people around us that we would minister the way that you call us to. In Jesus' name we pray. And Northwest Church said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.